It's show 115 of the Rim Pro Report. Today, Joe Coletta of Safe Shredding in Roseland, New Jersey, and the latest industry news. Uh, this show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. In the last week, the team at O'Neill have mobilized an effort to support people in the Staten Island area with much-needed supplies after Hurricane Sandy. See, Chris Spisto, the director of marketing for O'Neill, is from Staten Island, and many of her family and old neighbors are still reeling after the devastation. That's the kind of people you find at O'Neill. It's part of their DNA. If you want to support this effort yourself, you can learn more about it and also about O'Neill at O'NeillSoft.com. I'm extremely grateful to bring you this show today. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim Support Services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Yep, it's me and I want to say hello. It's Thanksgiving tomorrow here in the U.S. of A. So in order to bring you a show this week, we're broadcasting a day early. I hope that won't mess with your life too much. So officially, happy Thanksgiving to you if you are celebrating. And if you're not celebrating this week, I hope you have a great week. Let me say how thankful I am for such a great industry and your willingness to listen each and every week to the show as I explore the interesting and amazing people that are part of it. I'm amazed at how much I learn each week on the show. And I know from hearing from so many of you that you really learn a lot from this too. So uh, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep talking to really cool people. Today, I'm happy to have Joe Collette on the show. Joe is the GM, General Manager of Safe Shredding in Roseland, New Jersey. Joe has established for himself a reputation in the nade world as its leading funny man. But more than that, Joe runs a solid shred business. So today we're going to chat with him about his world and his business and what he's doing there. But before we get Joe on the line, let's get caught up on the latest industry news. It's quite quiet this week in the rim world, but some cool things to report that I've seen this week. Lucy Shipley, a director at SDS in Nottingham, England, last week received the Midlands Outstanding Contribution Award for her role in the success of SDS, a division of Shredall. The award encourages family businesses to nominate an individual who's made a significant difference to the business in recent years. Under Lucy's leadership, SDS increased its revenue by 61% in the last year and 39% the year before. So congratulations to Lucy on this award and uh, maybe more importantly, the wickedly cool growth that, that she has led SDS in. Sintas just announced that their two most recent charity shred events, one at the Navy Federal Credit Union called Shredderall and the National Foundation for Credit Counseling's Protect Your Identity Week, Sintas uh, collected in those two events more than a million pounds of paper. So congratulations to Sintas on a big haul and a, a great way to help uh, the communities that they did that in. 
Uh, not so cool. This looks like another data breach has occurred where unencrypted data was exposed due to a laptop theft. More than 100,000 customers of Allure Home Monitoring, headquartered in Waltham, Mass., are now at risk. The laptop was stolen from an employee's car and included the full name, social security numbers, and a diagnosis of affected customers, which provides... Uh, Alir provides disease health management solutions. This is becoming far too common. So not so cool. Anyway, that's all the news I have this week. If you've got anything to report, let me know so I can share it. I'm going to go get Joe Collette on the line. Hold tight while I do. Joe Coletta is the general manager at Safe Shredding based in Roseland, New Jersey. Joe is an incredibly colorful character in the industry, and I'm excited to have him on the show today. Joe, welcome. Hey, how you doing, Tom? Good. Good to have you on the show. Tell me about Safe Shredding. Tell me a little bit about your business and the company that you, you run. Uh, give me a sense of, of where you're located and the kind of environment you're in and, you know, size trucks, that kind of stuff. Just give me a, a brief view of who you are as a company. First, I need to, who canceled that you called me? Because I, <laughs> I, I had to be pretty far down the list. <laughs> no, no one canceled. I, I think back, right. uh, back a while ago, you and I tweeted to each other that I should have, I, I wanted to have you on the show. And um, I, I feel kind of lax in terms of getting to you on time because you know what? What I have learned about you is that the colorful part of your nature, and I'm I'm a direct direct subscriber to your Facebook feed, and that alone is worth the price of admission. So, um, I'm glad at least one person's reading it. Yeah, so. I am. You, me, me, and probably your mother. That's it. That's it. No, she's not on. She won't come. My father won't allow her to go on. <laughs> he doesn't trust her. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I appreciate you having me on. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, safe shredding. We we're located in northern New Jersey. Okay. Um, we are we are a strictly on-site uh, shredding company. We don't we don't do off-site. We don't do archiving. We we're a, we're a shredding company. Okay. That's it. Um, if you looked on a map of the state of New Jersey, cut it in half. We we basically cover the, the northern half. Got it. So that's us, and and we're close to Manhattan. We're we're actually less than 25 miles away, but we don't go there. Uh, it's it's a zoo. We tried it, and it it just doesn't make sense. Okay, so you so we, you stay out of that zone because it's it's we do yeah yeah all right yeah we we don't we don't cross any bridges or tunnels and as close as we are and it's it just like I said it, we we couldn't figure a way to make money and do it and it's it's a competitive yeah it's so competitive in the city itself and we're satisfied with what we have you know, right here in New Jersey cool so, okay but, uh, and you know, we we operate four on-site trucks uh, they're all shred fast. Uh, pretty basically newer trucks. We have two 2007s. Uh, we have a 2011 and a 2012. So we, we like to keep a newer fleet you know, for, for obvious reasons. Uh, we're busy, so uh, you know the newer the truck, the more efficient they are. And you know we have a, we have a staff. We have ten operators. Some are mostly they're mostly full time. A few part time guys. Uh, two part time salespeople, an office manager, and, and myself. Wow. That's really it. Wow, so a, a nice small, um, you know, but but four trucks is not a small shredding operation in today's world. Uh, that that's a solid business you're running. Yeah, there's there's a lot of one truck operations. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's there's just some, I think I looked recently. There's somewhere like 65 uh, companies offering shredding in New Jersey, uh, which is which is a lot for such a small area. But I think most of them are going to be a one truck operation. You have a, a few of the big guys, and we're kind of you know we're towards the top as far as the number of trucks we have. Yeah. 
So you've been with the company since its inception. Tell me a little bit about how the whole thing got started and your role in it and the evolution of your role in the company. Sure. It's uh, actually interesting. Uh, at the time, this is back in 2004, 2005, uh, my wife was working with a girl who was dating Adam Reitman. I don't know if, if you know Adam personally, but his family owns Intech Truck and Equipment Leasing. Right. And, and they're, they're a big part of NAID. They're, they're a big sponsor. Yeah. And, and they lease all kinds of trucks all over the country. And one of the specialty indus- industries they found was these paper shredding trucks. Now, as a leasing company, they're, they're expensive trucks, and it made sense. So, you know, Adam saw what his customers were bringing in revenue-wise and, and how they were adding trucks, you know, so rapidly. So one day he's over my house, um, and he actually he married this girl that, that fought with my wife eventually. But uh, they're over my house, and he's telling me about this great business opportunity, which is you know, paper shredding. And he made it seem so easy where everyone I knew was, who worked in an office was going to hire my company, and I'd have so much money, I wouldn't know what to do with it. And, <laughs> and then he let me, let me know the truck cost about a quarter million dollars. Right. And, uh, at the, and at the time, I had two young kids and basically no money at all, so that idea you know, came and went pretty quickly. But uh, then about six to eight months after that, a local guy decided to get into, into the shredding business. And this guy was going to be a working partner. Adam was going to be... Uh, more or less a silent partner, and in-tech staff was going to handle uh, basically the administrative, clerical work, so on and so forth. And uh, I mean, this guy, his name was Steve, uh, the partner. This guy was a real clown. Hmm. He was he was in his late late 50s. He owned a warehouse that it pretty much ran itself, and he thought he was just going to put a shredding container into every business within a 30-mile radius. And, uh, and he just, he didn't shut his mouth. If if you started talking to this guy, you better clear your schedule because he, he kept going and going. So, so you know, now all, all he needed was someone to operate the truck while he was out being the world's greatest salesman. Right. So, uh, so then Adam calls me up again, and now he asked me if I want to drive the shredding truck for him. Now, like six months before, I was going to make millions owning it. Now he asked me to be a driver for like 10 bucks an hour or something. And uh, I, I actually had a full-time job as a fireman. Uh, and my schedule allowed me to be available, you know, three to four days a week, and I kind of had nothing else going on on the side, so I, I figured, why not? And uh, that's that's how I that's how I kind of got got into the fray. Wow. And then we all flew, and then we all flew out to Spokane. Uh, that's where Shredfast is. Yeah. We got trained on the truck. Uh, Adam and this guy Steve drove back to New Jersey. I flew back, and that that was basically we were a shredding business. And uh, just to show like how much we were winging it at the time, I didn't even have a, a CDL, a commercial driver's license, <laughs> at this point. I I actually I took the test the day the truck was arriving back in New Jersey, and if I did, if I didn't get it, we really had no fallback plan. We would have had this this big expensive truck sitting there with with nobody to drive it. But, wow! Uh, and this was and, just going to be was, on your days off. This was going to be like a few days a week. We'd you know get any work we could. I'd get out there. I'd drive the truck. And, I mean, it was, you know, in the beginning, it was basically me going out there, no GPS, I had maps, I have a terrible sense of direction to begin with, I'm almost hitting things, and (laughs) Adam would call me up, and we would go, we would go anywhere. It was like I can go from 60 miles away just to, just to do work at that point. Wow. You know, we were so hungry just to, just to get out there. But, but the funny thing is, uh, this, this guy, Steve, the, the working partner, yeah. and I, I use the term very loosely, right. um, what he would do, he would go like three to four businesses a day, uh, try to solicit them, get the, the door slammed in his face, and then he'd go back to his country club where he'd basically just drink the rest of the day. 
And uh, after about a week, he realized it wasn't for him, and, and he, uh, he actually he dropped out of the business. Adam brought him out. And uh, there we were, a few weeks into it. It was Adam, myself, a truck, absolutely no work, and, uh, and that was it. So that was that, so, that was the beginning. That was so like how do you, yeah? How do you go from there to actually having four trucks now? So how, how do you, how do you bridge that gap? Because now the working partner or not so much working partner is gone. You're still working part time or full time in another profession. Yeah. How how do you grow the business from there to even the stage where there's enough revenue coming in to support the truck you've just purchased? Uh, for a long time, there wasn't enough revenue. It was, it was really, I mean, it was really just, like I said, winging it and, uh, you know, charging next to nothing. We, we just figured we wanted to get the truck working. We wanted to get the wheels rolling and have people see us. And right. you know, the, the trucks being as big as they are, we figured they're, they're a billboard. So if the truck's out, we're advertising. And obviously it doesn't, it doesn't work that easily. But, uh, the good thing with not being as busy was that if, if the truck wasn't going out, I was able to you know, go out and solicit and make some phone calls and, and do those things where, you know, if we did have the truck out, we would have really had no, uh, you know, no sales presence right. whatsoever. So, so were, it, were you even comfortable selling? So you were the only one at that point. So it's Adam and you, and you're driving when you can, um, shredding when you can, but also trying to sell when you can. Did you have any exactly. history of experience of selling? Like, or was this just uh, something I, I, you had to figure out on the fly? Uh, I was an online telemarketer for a newspaper company when I was like 14. Yeah. And it's, you know what? It's paper shredding. It's not rocket science. Yeah. The good thing is that, you know, we're not selling 50 different services. And I think I can, I can talk to people. And it was, it was, you know, it wasn't a tough sell. Uh, it wasn't an easy sell, but it, it, I had some success with it. And I was pretty comfortable early on with it. So that wasn't a problem. So you've mentioned a couple of times now, but on the side, you're a full-time firefighter. You're a professional firefighter. Tell me yeah. about that part of your life. Sure. I, uh, I'm actually, I, I work in a town, Bloomfield, New Jersey. Uh, I've been a, a professional fireman there for over 15 years. Uh, just to give you a little, I guess, uh, geographically an idea where it is, uh, we border Nork. Uh, which you know, it, in New Jersey, it's pronounced Nork, like N O R K. Okay, Nork. Not like uh, not like not like Newark, Delaware. They're spelled the same, but I guess it's a New Jersey thing. Right, Nork. But uh, okay. Yeah, so so how that so how that works? We work a 24-hour schedule. So I work basically one day on 24 hours, and then we have three days off. Hmm. So every weekday, I'm, I'm not at the firehouse. I'm in the office for for safe shredding. And you know, if anyone knows professional firemen. Uh, most work a side job. Right. A lot of them are carpenters, painters, other trades, and uh, I I chose to do something uh, a bit different. So, but uh, you know, generally during during my firehouse shift, the office staff handles everything. Uh, I still do some scheduling, deal with some customers when I can, but it's it's an awkward situation yeah. if you're you're giving a shredding quote and an alarm comes in. <laughs> you know, you have to uh, ab- abruptly end the call, which which has happened. So. Oh, that's funny. But, yeah, but it, it truly is. It's it's. That's the greatest job in the world. It's, it's exciting. It's interesting. I mean, you never you never know what the day is going to bring, and yeah. it's uh, no matter uh, how how big shredding becomes, I'm never leaving the other job. So. You're, you're, that's that's in that's in your blood, right? That's that once you once you're there, it's part of who you are. Yeah, it's, yeah. You don't see too many. Uh, nobody really leaves. You know, they they retire, but nobody ever leaves. Right. So, how are firefighting and shredding similar, or are they? Um, 
I, I, whenever people ask me what I do, you know, I, I always I tell people I have two jobs, and people that run a small business can appreciate this. It's uh, one of them. It's high stress, full of surprises. I encounter emergencies that need to be handled immediately. And then my other job, I'm a fireman. So that's, uh, <laughs> I love it. But uh, yeah, welcome to small business. That's it. That's it. But now, in all seriousness, they're they're very different uh, in the respect that if I'm not at the firehouse, whether I'm on vacation or sick or just off, someone else will take my place. Nobody's ever going to call me at home or on the beach or in Disney World and ask for my advice on how to put a fire out. Right. Um, you know, that, that, they'll, they'll handle that. But in a small business, you know, there's there's really nobody that ever fully takes your place when you're not there. Right. So my my phone never leaves my side and. You know, I, I personally make myself available no matter where I am. Hmm. Now, my wife doesn't like that. You know, she you know, she would rather take my phone and throw it in the ocean if, yes. if we're at the beach. But yes. but to me, I would rather deal with one problem at a time than check my messages hours later and, and try dealing with five problems at hmm. once. So, uh, you know, in, in that respect, they're very different. But the one thing I will say that I've learned from being a firefighter, and, and I try to apply it to business, and most people generally don't, is, is giving like your immediate attention to a situation. You wouldn't when you're a when you're a first responder, like a fireman, police police officer, uh, paramedic. You know you don't have the luxury of putting decisions off. You have to you have to react immediately. Hmm. And the, whether it's dealing with a service issue or just sending a proposal out to somebody or even just scheduling a service. I mean, we live in a time where everybody wants instant gratification. Right. And if my competitors, you know, if they can't make it to you until a week from now. I'm going to make sure we get there this week. And you, know, you always hear people say, like, I'll get you something by the end of the week or I'll get you something by the end of the day. And people don't want to wait. It's, you know, taking, taking that time, time of the essence approach, you know, where other people drag their feet, that's, that's what I think helps me. And I think that's something from firefighting that I, I carried over to, to business that helps. So immediate attention to the situation. So you, you, as a firefighter, you have to be present. You, you can't be sort of lost in your own thoughts. No, you, not at all. You got to be completely there and present, and it's something that, I, yeah, it's a great lesson in in our business. Yeah. You have to be present and immediate. Bring the, your immediate attention to the situation. I love that. That's a great, great idea. That's it. Yeah. So, you know, within from the time that you're sort of starting this fledgling shred company uh, to where you are today with four trucks, um, Early on, you're out sort of knocking on doors and things like that. So how have you taken, you know, in the interim years, what did it take to really grow the business? What were the kind of things you did? What were the ways that you grew clients uh, in order to have enough revenue to support the next truck and then the next truck? What what are some of the sort of uh, secrets or specific things that were instrumental in growing the business? I think it was. it's really a combination of, of timing. We got into the business at a very good time. Mm -hmm. uh, there was maybe uh, you know, 10 companies in New Jersey at that point that were you know, seriously offering shredding. So, we, so you know, we, we really formed a presence earlier on in, in, the, in the industry, uh, I guess in the industry's life cycle, which you know, now there's so many companies. Yeah. Uh, so, so that really helped. Uh, we had some really great workers over the years. And, and that gave us the ability to say yes to, to really any job when other companies were saying no. I mean, we, we, we did some crazy jobs logistically, like, you know, up a ladder in a crawl space, uh, in a barn, it's, you, you name it. I mean, we got called for some crazy jobs. And, and you could tell talking to some of these people that, you know, they'd already, you know, they were exasperated. They tried other companies. And, 
and I think that we always said yes, and we always figured it out, hmm. and and that really helped. And and you know, and throughout the throughout the past seven years, um, you know, Adam, like I said, was the owner. He was always willing to spend the money, make any improvements, whether it was you know, advertising. If, if somebody had an idea, um, you know, adding GPS to, to the trucks, uh, tracking them through GPS on the computer, so I know where they are at all times. Right. Uh, always making sure that we updated our fleet. At, at, at one point. Uh, you know, we were making mistakes, you know, whether it was software companies or wasting money on advertising or, you know, the way we were billing jobs out, like mm-hmm. the cap on a job that, you know, wound up really, you know, burning us at the end. You know, we, we learned from all those mistakes. We didn't, you know, we didn't let those mistakes beat us or, right. or hold us back. We actually, you know, we actually saw them as, as positives and said, okay, well, we know not to do this anymore. And, yeah. and, and it's really helped. But another important thing is we always get feedback from our drivers. Uh, we, we try to stay in front of any problems. We, we talk to them, uh, you know, n- not just about the route. We try to, you know, we have a, we have a personal relationship with all of our employees, and you know, a- any issues that that are out there, they're very, you know, straightforward with us. They let us know, and, and we get to uh, we get to improve on any on any problems right away. Oh, that's so cool. I, mean, I think a combination of those things has has really helped us to, you know, not only remain in this industry but actually grow when. But a lot of companies over the past few years, especially, have seen a, a decline in revenue. Yeah. So one of the things you mentioned, and we know, especially in highly competitive marketplaces like you're in, um, shredding easily becomes a commodity. How have you worked to keep yourself from being truly commoditized? Regardless of, of how uh, paper prices have risen in the past, and you know, I. I don't know how familiar you are with it, but I'm sure you are. In, in like the summer of 2011, the price of paper was like $300 a ton. Yeah. And it was, it was like a frenzy. It was a feeding frenzy. Companies would do anything just to, just to really get their hands on paper. Right. And you know, all of a sudden, you know, where we're getting you know, a pretty competitive rate, now you see companies charging a dollar a box uh, or just saying, we'll take your paper for free. And you know, they, they just wanted the, the back end. They just wanted the recycling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, you know, as we've been in this business long enough, we're calculating the cost of running a truck, insurance, employees, fuel. Uh, we didn't see any way these companies were, were making money. Um, they were bringing in revenue, but they weren't, they weren't making a profit. And, and, and we always said to ourselves, Adam, Adam and myself, um, we're never going to shred for free or close to free. And aside from maybe some charity work or charity events that we've done, right. uh, we've, we've always viewed this as a security service business, and it's an expensive business. You know, in that it's 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 not like we're sending a box truck out there, an old beat up box truck, and uh, you know, a, a, some 18 year old kid to run it. I mean, this is you know, we we look at this as a, a professional, highly secure. Uh, you know, all of our employees are a representative of, of safe shredding. Yeah, and and we were never gonna, you know, just just go in there and, and do that work for free, and and you know, lo and behold, the, the bottom dropped out of the paper market, and you know, a lot of our competitors, or at least most of them, either folded up or, or had to adjust their pricing accordingly. Now I know that if you're a customer, and if they called me up and I shredded something for a dollar a box for them last year, now I tell them it's five dollars a box, they're not going to be happy, and they're going to they're going to go elsewhere. So I'd like to think that a lot of these companies. Uh, anyone that did call them up again, uh, they they probably came to us or, or to to another competitor. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it's an interesting uh, time to you know have kept that 
kept that approach, which is we're not in the just trying to turn dollars. Uh, and, you know, when the commodity price at the back end, the actual paper price at the back end drops like it has, there's there's kind of that good feeling inside, isn't there, that, yeah, we went the right way with that. We we did the right thing. Yeah, it, it's great, and, and we're actually we're proud of ourselves for doing it because uh, there's people that we know in this industry that I guess we would consider friends of ours that, you know, all of a sudden the same people that said, I would never do this, they were on that same bandwagon and they were charging the one dollar a box and yeah. and shredding for basically nothing, and and obviously we we reaped the rewards and one of, one of the biggest things for us and something we're, we another thing we're proud of is uh, repeat business. Mm. Now we're always working to get recurring customers or automatic customers, some people call them, uh, but we keep a tally every month of, of how many purge customers, the people that are using us just you know one time, once a year, every once every six months, whatever it may yeah. be. Yeah. But we also tally purge customers that have used us in the past. Uh, and the number of repeat customers, it's always growing, and it really validates for us that we're doing something right because these, these are the same people now. that they, they just keep coming back to us, and we know they're not calling the competition. Yeah. So we, we know we have a, we have a built-in customer that, uh, that they're going to call us whenever they need to shred. Like I said, whether it's once a year. Uh, I had a woman today. It was actually a residential customer a small customer, so nobody's getting rich off of her. But uh, she, she said, you know, I believe I, I used you. I know I used you in the past. You probably have no record of it. And we did. You know, we, we keep good records. And she had used us in 2006. Wow. So here it is. Six, year, six years have gone by. Wow. And she could have she gone on the Internet and, and called any one of these 60 companies in the state. But we obviously made a mark, and she remembered us. And, and that was big. And, and the fact that we remembered her, too, with, you know, with a few uh, – a few clicks of a, of a mouse that, you know, it, she, she felt important, it seemed like, and, and uh, obviously we, we retained the customer. So, so within that, uh, I, I believe that people choose uh, companies for a reason and they come back for a reason. So why do you think they keep coming back? Um, what, what is it about how you do things? It's not just that you give it away for free. That's, that's one whole area. But is there a particular belief or vision or passion you have that drives you such that when your drivers are in front of people or your sales reps are in front of people or, or your team is in front of it, there's a style you come across with? What, what is it that's kind of driving that repeat business that's even six-year-old business? Um, I like to think that we really, and I know a lot of companies say it, it's, it's, it's probably overused, but we, we go above and beyond in all ways. I think, like I said earlier, it's paper shredding. It's not rocket science. Mm. It's a simple process. And I think companies make it a lot more difficult than it has to be, whether it's their pricing style, whether it's the way they describe it. Um, we, we try to just make the entire process of booking a service with us as simple as possible. Mm. Uh, I mean, we, we answer the phone. And, you know, like I said, as, That's important. as hard as... <laughs> As, as simple as that seems, where you know it's, it's a fundamental part of business, answering the phone, just being available, companies don't do it. And mm. I see it all the time. There's a, a lot of our, our competition in the shredding industry, and I don't know if it's just this area or if it's a nationwide thing. They just don't, they, they don't call back. And it could be a customer that's used them over the years. It could be somebody new. They don't call. And that benefits us greatly. So yeah. we answer the phone. Uh, we have a 24-hour answering service. We don't have voicemail. We don't believe in it. Somebody will always answer the phone. So wow. you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't believe how many times people call in the middle of the night or 
10:30 at night or on, on Christmas Day, but but people do. Uh, I'm not going to call them back that day, but uh, I'll call them back. As, <laughs> but they got a live as, as voice as who answered. They got a live voice. Wow. And uh, and and that's that's important. People want to know that yeah. it's not just going into uh, you know into a black hole never to be called again. Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's great. That's such a that's such a cool positioning that that you take, and and that says something no matter what. Even if you don't verbally say we, you know, we answer the phones twenty four hours a day, the fact that you did answer them twenty four hours a day makes you stand out. And and when somebody does call and it goes to an answering service, I get an email immediately, so I know right away. I know within seconds that they've called. And if it is something that's important, where you know either a customer, it, it may be an emergency to them. Sometimes the answering service doesn't understand that it's not really an emergency, but uh, the, the customer is always right, as they say. But uh, they, they will call me directly. Hmm. So they, they do have the customer does have access to me technically 24/7. Luckily, the answering service exercises uh, discretion most of the time. So yeah. uh, if it's if it's just a regular customer, they just send me the email. But uh, you know that's 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 important. We yeah. answer the phone. We're responsive in, in booking a job. You know, I, I I'll never tell somebody they have to wait a week. Uh, to me, I know if I want something. I want it immediately. Yeah. Uh, if not immediately, I want it within a day or two. Uh, so I would never tell somebody a week. And you know, you know, there's just those little things. It's you know, we're not reinventing the wheel, but it, it works. And obviously, our, our competition's not doing it, so that helps us. But we we have a local competitor. It's a large company. Um, can I say what it rhymes with or, or no? <laughs> Sure. No, I, 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 I won't sell them out, but it, it's a large uh, <laughs> it's, it's a large company. I think they have about 18 trucks in this area. Okay. They indirectly send us at least 10 customers a week by not doing what I just described. Right. I mean, they don't they don't answer the phone. When they do, they have an ambiguous pricing schedule that nobody can figure out. Yeah. They don't come for weeks, and when they're supposed to come, they cancel the last minute. And I, I mean, I, I could almost. You know, I, I, customers call me up and they have this exasperated sound in their voice, and I tell them right away, you, you, know, you must be talking about, and I mention the company, yep. and 99 out of 100 times, I'm right. Yeah. Well, there's there's a great, uh, I, I, it's a cartoon, I think, and it's uh, there's a, a $2 haircut. There's a sign with a $2 haircut, and across the street, the, uh, the sign on the opposing barber's uh, shop is, We Fix $2 Haircuts which is quite that's it yeah so yeah. I, I mean there is there is huge benefit in in being different than what's out there and answering the phone and responding quickly and and putting a truck in front of a client in a quick and efficient way is such a cool way to be different and and actually create momentum from that that's very cool yeah. so what's the hardest part of running the business today what what do you find really difficult uh, I, I think the hardest thing is just so labor and equipment intensive, and it really is so expensive to operate correctly that you know it's disheartening to see other others commoditize the industry, like we said, and 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 go out there and and really, I guess, cheapen it in a way. Uh, luckily, the majority of, of people in this industry are all great. I mean, I, I have a lot of friends in this in this business, a lot of a lot of people I can call, and you know that that are kind of local friendly competitors. Yeah, that you know. We give them work; they give us work. But you know, when you do see the companies come in there and and you know, really do it for free, it's it's tough. And and it you know, you, you can't be free. Yeah. And I've had a, a handful of customers. We really don't lose. You know, we have a very low attrition rate with with our customers. But 
but I've had some customers in the past that you know I had a good relationship with, and you know pretty much said they're doing it for free, and you can't. I, I'm not going to pay them. I, I can't beat that. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, you know the other thing with the trucks, they it's a lot of moving parts, so they mm-hmm. tend to break down. Uh, we try to stay ahead of them as far as from a maintenance point of view, but you know, if you do have any mechanical issues, sometimes you don't know. It could derail your schedule for two days, for a week. And when you don't know if you, you know, if you have a shredding truck available, it's hard to schedule shredding services. Yeah. So, you know, things like that, uh, when, when things break on them, a lot of times it's not something simple. It's, it's a part that we have to order, you know, that has to be overnighted to us. Yeah. Which is going to take the truck out for a day or two. But, you know, that, finding the right people to, to represent a company, our company hasn't always been that easy either. Uh, right now we have a great core of employees, but, you know, there's, there's been bumps in the road and, you know, we, we've had people that we knew right away or, you know, fairly quickly that, that they weren't going to work out. But, you know, then you have to go through the whole hiring process over again and training. And, and uh, you know, our, our image is everything. So, you know, we have to stay on top of our workers, know what they're up to, make sure that they all treat the company like it's their own. And like I said, everyone I have now, I'm confident in. I know they're going out there and, and they're going you know, to they're, they're gonna be respectful and they're going to do whatever they can to go above and beyond what the customer expects. Yeah. And but but it's uh it's not easy to find those people. No. So and and, and yet they they become critical to your success. So it it's they're on the front lines. Yeah. I mean that would be you know if it's so you put putting an army together and and putting you know putting weak people out there it's you're going to fail. Yeah. And you know we we have the right people and we get we get so many calls from from customers that are just praising the service. That it's over. They really they've paid the bill. They really don't need to call us, and they go out of their way to send an email to Paul and just say, "Hey, you know, uh, Phil was here today, and, and he did a. I just want to let you know he did a great job." Oh, that's so and, cool. Yeah, that... and, I, and I, you know, it's, sometimes you cringe a little bit because you say, oh, "You know, what is, is everything all right? What does this person want?" And <laughs> and they surprise you with that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, with praise, and that's that's always a good thing. Anytime you run a business, you want to hear that. So. Oh, that's so cool. This is a question I, I ask pretty much everyone who's on, on the show. If you could go back to 2005, 2006, when you're this little fledgling company, and with all you know today, give yourself back then some advice, what might you tell yourself? Or what's the one big thing you might you might say as advice to your former self? I'd buy, buy more lottery tickets. <laughs> But I would have probably. <laughs> I would. I would have bought that truck and not and not been a bit of driver on it for the ten dollars an hour. Right. You would because because it's worth a billion dollars now. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ten billion. Who's counting? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I mean, in the beginning, I guess when there weren't as many companies, we probably could have done more to advertise or or to really get our name out there and solicit. But I mean, that that comes with a with a cost, and we really weren't making money at the time. Yeah. So I guess you know to say it now and to, to do it then are two different things. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'll be honest. We we've really like, we've maintained a smooth, steady increase in revenue, and you know, I think making some minor mistakes it, it builds character and it it helps you to you know to really focus on where you're going. And I'm I'm satisfied with where we are in this market. You know, the way in this economy, I I don't know if I would have changed too many things, Tom. I'll be honest. Yeah. Cool. Um. So it's it, you know it's. Not to say, like I said, we haven't made mistakes. Everybody has, but but I think they were they were beneficial mistakes. Good. None 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 took us out of the game, and none hurt us too much. And 
And I will, I will say one thing, actually, I, I want to mention, because I, I noticed this because I had to do a, a report for somebody. But one of the one of the things that I think that says a lot about the way we run our business, um, we don't have any one customer that can that can ever call us up tomorrow and say, hey, I'm canceling, and that's going to really hurt us. Mm. Um, we don't have any one customer that makes up more than a percent of our total revenue. Yeah. And I think... I think that's big because I know a lot of people in this industry. They have we don't have any hospitals. Uh, we don't have any probably anything more than, than, than 30 containers. And and it's a comfortable feeling knowing that there's not that one phone call that can that take, can really just yeah take you down basically. That's that's a and, really good point. Really good point. Yeah. And it's it, like I said, it's comforting. Um, I know that nobody's gonna. I don't want to lose a customer, but none of them can significantly affect our our bottom line. Wow. And it's it's a good it's a good position to be in. So it's it's that slow and steady. Uh, you know, just you know, we'll we'll take all the little guys. Let them take the the big, the big guys for yeah. for no money. Yeah. Well, a conversation with with you would probably not be complete without delving into the your unique view of the world. I you know you you meet certain people that just seem to have a a way they spin things. And, uh, you know, I, I know at Nade conference last year, you're known as the Nade funny man. And, uh, I subscribe to your Facebook feed and, uh, there's consistently, uh, stuff in there that just causes at least one, if not multiple laughs during a day. Um, how do you view the world? What, what, how, you know, you wake up in the morning and you, it seems like you got different colored sky in your world some days. I mean, this conversation would not admit that because you're you're very much a solid, strong business person. But on the other side of you, you get this this strange sense of humor that is is really quite intriguing. Uh, good. I'm 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 glad. Like I said, I'm glad I'm entertaining somebody. And uh, I I I think I I don't take myself too seriously. And yeah. you know, life, life's too short. And I I just try to. Sometimes you go on Facebook and it's the same people complaining about it being Monday again, or, or that the day's dragging, or yeah. everyone's butting into their business. And even though they put every personal issue in their life out right. there, and, and you know you see the same stuff, it's so monotonous. So I just like to be the opposite and just just kind of be stupid on there. Yeah. And uh, but with I've learned people don't get things like irony or sarcasm, and sometimes I have to watch what I put out there. But yeah, I like to have fun. A lot of times at my own expense. And, my wife gets mad at me because she tells me people don't know I'm joking, and <laughs> but you know what? I, but the bonus is I, I don't care, so yeah. they, they they don't have to read it. Yeah, well, but it's I, it's I like a, to say yeah, it's a wonderful addition to uh, to the day, and so if you're if you're uh, listening, then uh, it's it's worth uh, befriending Joe Coletta on Facebook because it's just a, a very funny daily, uh, feeding of interesting stuff. So Joe, we could probably talk for forever, but we've, uh, we've clearly blown through even our 30 minute time zone. So thanks. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for being a part of the show and sharing your story no and sharing some of the stuff you've learned along the way and uh, continued success. Uh, Keep kicking butt, and um, we, we're going to keep watching your growth and your success as you go forward. Great. I appreciate it, Tom. Thank you for having me, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, now that was really good. 
I, I love the part where Joe talked about always saying yes and then figuring out how to respond to yes. Very, very cool stuff. Joe's a great guy. Special thanks to him for joining us on this Thanksgiving show. And special thanks to you for joining us as we anticipate here in the U.S. Thanksgiving. I hope you have an amazing holiday weekend if you celebrate. I'm also incredibly thankful to O'Neill Software, who sponsors this show. I told you earlier about their response to Hurricane Sandy, uh, but that's not unusual for O'Neill. At uh, their strategic partners conference, they do the same thing. They raise money for people who need it. It's just the way they roll, which is why I'm so proud to have them as sponsors on the show. They're great people, and they can be generous because they've also built incredibly great software. And if you want to learn more about them and the software they, they create and build and continue to, to push forward into new territory, you can learn more about them at O'NeillSoft.com. You know, that's it for today. We'll be back next week with uh, John Barwick of Rivermill Data Management. So have yourself a great one. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.